Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. It is picked up by the line. Darius Slade's got it. Coming back right side, 25. Picks up a block at the 30. Darius at the 40. Drink it in, drink it in. Drink it in, drink it in, drink it in now. Rolls to the right, Stafford throws deep. Got a man out there, Enzo. Touchdown, Detroit Lions. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Detroit Kool-Aid. What is going on, everybody? We are back. And uh, we got no Grifka here. It's going to be me going solo, but uh, I got so much to talk about in this episode. I am super fired up. So I appreciate everybody listening to the Detroit Kool-Aid cast. Um, We're going to get into a bunch of stuff today. I'm super excited about it. So normally right off the get-go here, we get our news and notes. And like, I'm going to help the NFL right now. In two minutes or less, I'm going to solve all the problems for all these billionaires, all these guys on Park Avenue that for some reason can't figure out the rule book, overtime, all these different things. I mean, everybody that's out there probably was watching football last week. I mean, incredible set of games, both going to overtime, both with some crazy plays back and forth. I mean, it was just absolutely off the charts. Now, of course, when we come to Monday, what is everybody talking about? Everybody's talking about these missed calls by these refs, you know, how overtime's decided by a coin toss, all this, that, and the other. I mean, (laughs) it's absolutely crazy. I mean, I've had to hear it for days now. I mean, it's taken away from the greatness of Tom Brady, taken away from the incredible back-and-forth game between the Rams and the Saints. So let me do this right now. Before we start talking lines, before we start getting everything, let me solve these issues right now. Roger Goodell, you can put a check in the mail to me um, once I fix these issues for you. So let's start with the first issue I've had to hear a bunch about. It's about what's reviewable, what's not reviewable, why they didn't get that pass interference call right in the Rams-Saints game. Right now in the NFL, there's certain plays you can review, there's certain plays you can't review. You know, they think they have this in because some are black and white, others aren't. So they're trying to just review things that are simple. Like, I'm here to tell you that it's this simple. Every coach in the NFL gets two challenges. They're allowed to throw those flags once they think a call is made and it's an incorrect call or you know, they see something on the field that they want to be looked at, but it's only this small section. 
So everybody's saying like if you open up these other things to review, it's going to open up Pandora's box. This is how you fix it. You give the coaches the same two reviews they have. You keep the same type of review rules that you have right now, but you open it up and you allow those coaches to use those two challenges on a pass interference, on a potential uh, call that's outside of those rules, because they would only get two throughout the entire ball game, and you know they're not going to use those two randomly because they'll lose the timeout. Now people would say, well, if a big touchdown happens, they'll just throw this flag regardless. I'm here to tell you that the way you would button it up is like if you were going to challenge a missed holding or a bad holding call or some type of what they call a judgment issue, you'd actually have to say, I want to review that pass interference on number 23. You don't get to like review everything on the field like they kind of say. Everything is open for review. You have to like delineate who, what review you want on what certain player. They go back and look at that play and then they make a judgment. Two per game two per coach that's four possible total in the entire football game and then this whole two minutes everything's reviewed we throw that out the window and the coaches or the replay booth does not get to review everything that we're now opening it up to supposedly they're going to just stay with their same process of reviewing all the things they're currently reviewing so these this opening up the challenges only goes to these marginal these game-changing type issues and you get two per game two per team two per coach like I don't think it's that hard I mean you're not gonna open up plays like I said to just say well I think there might have been a holding on that call go look at everything no but if there's a blatant hold missed late in the third quarter that's going to cost you a big play or a football game yeah you can throw your red flag and get that looked at so what I'm talking about is not even in the first quarter third quarter whatever it may be what I'm trying to say is that each coach is going to get two challenges regardless so like in the Saints Rams game when that play happens the guy gets there before the football yeah they didn't call it yes it's obvious even though it's under the two minutes and it's quote-unquote unreviewable, throws his red flag, the guys go and look at it, and they see, yep, we missed it, he got there early, you got to get this one right, and they make the change. So from the beginning of the game till two minutes left in the fourth quarter, it's pretty much status quo, except for coaches have the ability to throw that red flag and get a two things looked at per game if they get two right you know I think the way the NFL works now you throw that third you get a third challenge you know that's fine as well so the way it would work is if you're in a ball game and you blow your first challenge in the first quarter and your second one in the third quarter and you lose them both you're done if something terrible happens late in the football game you're done you blew your challenges you didn't use them wisely but what it does do is it protects a team that is smart enough to hold on to them till late in the football game when those quote-unquote game-changing plays can happen and mistakes can be made and these plays that are unreviewable or object uh, objective type calls that aren't reviewable now don't even overcomplicate it just make those potentially reviewable if the coach has a flag and he points it out and says hey I want that pass interference on 23 looked at they go under the hood, they look at it. If it was pass interference, you make the call and you get it right. That's why they have the replay. So that's all I'm trying to say is I think like if you 
expand the rules, but really just expand it, saying that the coaches can challenge anything they want, but they have to be specific at what they want looked at. That helps. And then also, if you blow through your challenges, that at the end of a game, it's going to be exactly how it is now, that someone might get burned, but that's because you can put it back on the coach and the team now that, hey, you used your challenges early and either got them wrong or the refs still didn't agree with you, it wasn't clear, whatever the case may be, and you end up losing them. So I think that simple tweet can fix all this stuff about the refs, and I think it's simple as that. Secondly, we want to talk about these overtime rules, about not getting the ball because of a coin toss or, you know, Patrick Mahomes never touched it. This is just unfair. This one is pretty simple, too. Right now, we flip a coin, and if the first team goes down and scores a touchdown, it's the ball game. If they don't score a touchdown and the other team goes back the other way and kicks a field goal, it's ball game. To me, this could be pretty simple as well. No matter who wins the coin flip, no matter if they score a touchdown, let's say they win the coin flip and they go down and score a touchdown. The other team then gets the football, just as they would in a regular game, to try to then go back and match that touchdown. If they go back and match that touchdown on their first drive, then we go into the rules of any score after that is going to be the, the game winner. To me, that lets both teams touch the football. You know, it, it may extend overtimes a bit, but... I mean, those are exciting, and the fans are locked in anyway, so I don't see a huge issue other than it's going to extend the game a little bit. So let both teams get it. If both teams score touchdowns, which is pretty rare in the NFL to get a ball on, what, the 20, 25, to start and go right down the field and score, I mean, unless you're Tom Brady, who seems to do it every time when all the chips are on the line. So, I mean, I think it's that simple, just adding each team to get the ball. So, I mean, every year these guys go down to – Boca Raton, Florida, wherever they go, billionaires spending all this money to have these league meetings and they can't get anything figured out. I think I did it in about uh, four to five minutes for you at the max. So I want to get that off my chest right off the get-go. Um, the other thing I want to talk about, I mean, we got Senior Bowl going on right now. I mean, I'm getting the draft board going. It's going up, looking at free agents, all this stuff. Uh, Senior Bowl, starting to really get some interesting names there. There's a good uh, interview with Bobby Quinn out there. So all you Kool-Aid drinkers that are looking for some draft content or want to hear from Bobby Quinn, I know he sat down uh, for an interview I caught on YouTube. So that was pretty good. And the main thing I took away was, you know, just seems pretty adamant getting it out there that, you know, if we stay at eight. So I think he's really looking to, to probably move down the draft board this year. If possible, I know we always say that's best case scenario, but that's really what I thought he was saying is, We'd love to trade down. If not, we'll take the best football player, in my opinion, probably be defensive side of the ball, and then the second, third rounds, you know, look for that offensive playmaker that he needs. So that was pretty good. Um, just a couple other quick things before we jump into it. Um, anybody that's out there that's on Twitter, you know, check us out, Detroit underscore Kool-Aid on Twitter. And then also, uh, if you're looking for a fun follow, like TJ Lang, shout out to TJ Lang, man. This guy has uh, got a great sense of humor. If you ever see him on 97.1, I mean, he's just incredible. And uh, he's on Twitter always dropping some hilarious lines or kind of live tweeting during football games. I mean, that's always uh, 
pretty cool to uh, check him out so I've been following him and he's uh, pretty funny I really hope you know that he's healthy he gets it together and then like you say the Lions and him can maybe come to an agreement if he still wants to play football and get him back here but uh, regardless I mean he's going to be great either in the commentary booth or as one of those guys that sits on NFL Network one of the talking heads or whatever he wants to do I mean just a great guy great guy in, in the community in the state of Michigan so I want to shout him out TJ Lang, appreciate all you do, man. Hope you're healthy. Uh, keep bringing those funny one-liners on Twitter. Keep getting after the NFL and all these other people for their dumb takes or their terrible rules or all that stuff. And uh, hopefully we can have you playing uh, right guard there for the Detroit Lions in uh, 2019. With all that being said, that's our news and notes for the day. I mean, what I wanted to do today was kind of get into a Jets review. I kind of went back on, uh, I think on the other podcast, I called it NFL Rewind. I mean, that was a few years ago. It's NFL Game Pass now where you can check that out and kind of, uh, you know, get that 30-minute version of the game, you know, kind of uh, do all types of rewind watch players watch certain plays in the game all that type of stuff so just went back and watched that condensed version of the Jets game I mean I got a bunch of notes here I'm going to kind of just work my way through this football game because what I wanted to do in the next few weeks is sort of take these games from the 2018 season and quickly kind of go back through them look at them now that the season's over because I think it's different than when you know we we're all hyped up season was starting you know we thought we'd go in and just kill the Jets. We thought we'd be able to take care of San Francisco, and then when that didn't happen, you know, we kind of had a different perspective on it. But I wanted to go back now after we had a rough season, but we added some building blocks. We sent some building blocks away, kind of look at it with a different set of eyes and talk it through. So um, let me hit you just with a couple quick hits of things I saw when I went back and watched this game. Monday Night Football in Ford Field against the Jets. I mean... The first thing that jumped off the page, I think I caught it on like a different network, was uh, Matt Pat. I mean, they had him mic'd up, and he's just, I think he went out to visit his family, and his family was just like looking at him and was super happy. And he's like, are you nervous? And they were like, oh, we're so nervous. And he's like, don't be nervous. We'll be all right. You know, he was just, he was really calm, but you could tell how excited he was. And as it got close to kickoff, he kind of just had this sense of, man, I'm an NFL head coach, which was super cool to see. And uh, so, like, literally right before the first play for the Jets on offense, they had him mic'd up, and, and the part I saw, he was kind of like, all right, watch for either a misdirection rollout or a kind of a throwback across the field. He was kind of telling himself or the defense or whatever he was doing. Sure enough, man, Sam Darnold rolls out to the right, kind of looks over there, but then looks all the way back across the field, throws that thing up. I mean, Quandre Diggs read this thing unbelievably, came – from a safety position all the way across that field, uh, you know, easy interception, but just made a uh, great play on the ball. Then he really got after it to get to the house and make a play after that. So that was uh, that was just super fun to re-see and just think how crazy it was in the stadium and everything was going nuts. So, um, you know, couldn't have been a better play to start the season. Fun that Matt Pat really had that one buttoned up like that was going to happen and he was on the lookout for it, so that was fun to see. And, uh, and man, now we got to talk about the rest of the game. So, I, again, just quick hits. I mean, I thought Matt Stafford was was off just from the jump in this game. I mean, he was missing passes. They weren't really dialing up anything very nice uh, there in the beginning, just kind of off target from the get-go. I thought early in the game Sam Darnold managed the game well. I mean, he was converting third downs. Um, but in the words of Grifka, I mean, he wasn't that great. 
Um, he... <laughs> He was doing okay. I mean, I remember after that game, everybody was acting like he was the next coming at quarterback. But, I mean, he just kind of managed it well, made a few plays here and there. I mean, this game was tight into the third quarter. I mean, the end score, everybody thinks, wow, we just got absolutely our doors blown. And, yeah, the end score did not look pretty. But, I mean, this, this game late in the third quarter, um, before it got out of hand, I mean, Late in the third quarter, it was 38-17, but coming out of the half, we got the Golden Tate touchdown, and, you know, we were right in this football game. So it just kind of spiraled out of control there. So um, let, let me just talk through a couple, uh, some other things I, I put during this game. So um, just read my notes here. So I just think, like, Matt Stafford had zero passing yards in the first quarter. I mean, What? zero passing yards in the first quarter are you kidding me like that just doesn't happen in the nfl so i thought that was just ridiculous when i went back and saw that stat i mean i absolutely couldn't believe it i mean i got a big bold mark here on quincy Anunua with a catch that was a no catch i mean this guy made a catch almost put the ball i think it was either behind him or he kind of pinned it to himself and hit the ground i mean to me it was obvious matt pat threw the challenge flag and these geniuses refs that we have went under the hood, looked at it, and still gave it to him, which was a big play early on in the game. I mean, to me, it was pretty obvious when you go back and watch that game that, I mean, that was an incomplete pass. I thought Kenny G and Carrion were good from the jump. Every time, you know, Stafford was getting the ball off to number 19, I mean, Kenny Galladay was making plays. It was kind of the first bit, you know, we had seen there in the season of this new playmaker that, we saw a little bit of last year, but some people were high on him. Some people just didn't know. And, uh, man, I thought he showed up huge. I thought he uh, caught the football well. He ran after the catch, really looked good. Then uh, carry on. I mean, he didn't get in the game to start the game. I know it was LeGarrette Blunt and Theo and a few other guys. And next thing you know, when 33 got in, if you go back and watch that game, I mean, he's diving forward. He's uh, making plays, moving the football. I think he had a couple passes there um, that he made some catches on. He did have some rookie jitters as well where he was uh, – it wasn't really even his fault. He was just getting the ball, and there was just penetration in the backfield just blowing him up. So, I mean, not much you can do there. But you could tell when you go back and look now and then kind of see what they did throughout the year that, yeah, man, these guys these guys had some good mojo you know, right from the start in this game. Even though it wasn't creating touchdowns or points, it was still pretty good. Um, let me see what else I have here. I mean, Stafford, I just felt, you know, his basic mechanics looked good to start. I mean, he had a good base. He was dropping back. You know, we weren't getting totally pressured right off the get-go. He had time. He just, like I said, really wasn't on target, wasn't doing what you would expect from the guy. Uh, I have a note here. I mean, the all-blue Smurf uniforms by the Lions is what you'd call no good. I mean, just go with the blue and the gray pants, please. And then when we go on the road, can I get the white crispies and the silver pants? Because, I mean, that's the best look for our lines, no doubt about it. But uh, let's talk about uh, Stafford's first pick. So, to me, I mean, the first pick is pretty obvious. He uh, he throws it up in there into double coverage, also under through it. I mean, just a bad football. Just can't be thrown. I've got here the second pick. To me, it was a pass interference. And if you go back and look at it, it was um, 
slant route. I want to say it was to GT. GT coming off the ball, trying to run one of those quick slants. He just gets drilled by the safety, I believe, and knocks him off his route, and Stafford just throws it to a spot, which to me, I mean, how many times are we going to do this where this guy, you know, he... Sometimes in the NFL, I know you got to throw to spots. I know you got to anticipate. But I feel like on this play, he's been in the league long enough, and he wasn't really pressured, or there really was no reason to unleash this football when you saw your receiver basically got taken out two yards into the slant route. Throws it anyway to a spot, gets picked. Um, this was the play, though, right after it gets picked. I mean, Kenny Galladay just goes beast mode and blows his guy up and uh, creates a fumble, and we get the football back right away. So... Um, you know, that that wasn't bad. So we got a 10-7 with two minutes left in the second quarter. And that's when uh, the Jets unleash a deep ball to uh, Robbie A there. Good old Robbie Anderson. Uh, deep ball up over the top for a touchdown. I felt like the the DB, I want to say it was Tavon. Uh, pretty good coverage there, but he just can make a play on the football. And, you know, we saw that quite a bit throughout the year. So that was disconcerting. Overall, I put here, I thought Galladay played well to really well in the first half with the opportunities he had. Caught, ran after the catch, had some good numbers, despite our offense really not doing a ton. Late in the first half, before we get to halftime, I mean, jumping around a little bit here, but, uh, man, we should have had a touchdown right at the end of the half. We had a good drive going, a couple penalties, I think it was, got us deep into the Jets' territory. You know, I think we had first and either first and goal or just outside of the 10 there. And, uh, man, just, just I put it here, just stalled out, bad play calls. And Matt Stafford just missing a few balls or just kind of not being precise. Like, you need a top NFL quarterback to be. I mean, throwing balls that just 50-50s that he's burning out of the end zone or a ball that's just not where it needs to be to give his guy a chance. I mean, we think we had one or two of those and we had a, like a draw or a screen to, to Theo that was just no good, that just stalled out our drive. But, uh, you know, it was just one of those where I think they went and got three points. you got to get seven there. I mean, how many times do we say that throughout the year? And then, uh, so we go to half. I mean, again, to me, this game is, is right there. I mean, basically... 14-10 game, I want to say, head into the half, something like that. Maybe 17-10, uh, actually. And uh, Lions come right out of the half, and they just have a great drive. I mean, come right down the field, move the football pretty fluidly, um, throw the ball on a nice kind of mid-range slant type route to Golden Tate. He does what he does, scampers in after that for a nice touchdown. I remember, I think we have it on some of the Detroit Kool-Aid music where it's just... Uh, it's just our good boy Dan Miller. I mean, one of the greatest in the game from a play call um, broadcaster. Just uh, says, uh, Golden Tate, been looking for that all night. I mean, we definitely were looking for a little spark. And I just remember telling Grifka at the game, I said, you know, we come down, we get a touchdown. We sh we can be right back in this game. I mean, we we're in the game regardless. But when we come down and get this touchdown, I mean, yeah, we're right there. There's no reason to not win it. And then... I've just got these final notes here in this game. I mean, the Jan the Jets come right back. I mean, like say, we come down, we score, the building's back into it. The score is close. What do the Jets do? They come right down the field, bing, bam, boom, throw a ball to Quincy and Nunwa. I just put here, just 
not only bad coverage, but just terrible tackling on that touchdown. Just felt like the Lions didn't want it. You know, they they threw it to this guy. He made a few moves, just kind of waltzed in the end zone. Pretty embarrassing uh, effort there from the start. So notice that. It's about this point in the game where we get pick number three from Matt Stafford. I mean, here's here's my big beef with this one. I mean, are you kidding me? This is where Theo Riddick, I mean, any of the Kool-Aid drinkers out there that are listening, you guys know what I'm talking about. We loved it maybe three, four years ago. Now it's getting old. Theo Riddick probably lined up right of Stafford in shotgun. He comes out of the backfield. What does he do? He gives his little shimmy out to the right and then cuts back in to the middle of the football field. I mean, I don't know that he's ever went actually out to the right, so like nobody even buys that anymore, he, but he runs it every time. He comes out, he breaks down, gets shifty, gives one fake to the outside, tries to cut it up. Stafford throws it to him up the seam, and they try to run that. I mean... Like I say, it used to work. I mean, now it's just, if you're not going to show the other route, nobody is buying it. So this was the same thing. The pick three was just, Theo ran this route. Stafford just throws it. I mean, the guy just jumps the route, picks the ball off. I mean, come on. So that, that again, changes the momentum. Uh, next note I have here is just, before you come blank, I mean, there's eight minutes left in the third quarter, and it's 31-17. Next thing down, I mean, a punt return touchdown by Roberts, former Lion. I mean, that makes it 38-17 with with seven minutes to go in the third. I mean, they're just piling it on now. Um, you know, I think that one of Theo was either the pick six, or I know there's a pick six in here as well as part of that just avalanche that we had where, you know, here we are almost tied you know, right after our first drive in the third quarter, and then by the middle to the end of the third quarter, it's 38-17 Jets. So, you know, next note, pick number four by Matt Stafford. I mean, uh, this was just this was just one of those balls. I mean, he's down by a bunch of points. For some reason, he thinks he has to win it on this next throw, so he just throws the football up. There's basically five guys in the pitcher. I mean, this ball's not going to get completed. If anything, it's like, who's going to pick this off, you know, first and foremost. So, um, just absolutely, you know, just a garbage throw, garbage decision. I mean, I know you're trying to, you know, make a play, but at that point, I mean, it's just, you know, you're too experienced, too good for that type of thing is kind of what I wrote here. And then uh, that third quarter basically told it all. This is kind of where I stopped my notes. I mean, uh, Isaiah Crowell goes for 60 yards, touchdown. I just wrote absolutely inexcusable. It wasn't even a, a complicated, not only play call, but, I mean, basically just they handed it off to the right. Crowell just ran off to the, the right, probably off the right guard. Uh, Ricky Jean either was in the right gap or missed a tackle, whatever it may be. And this guy just... Once he was past the line of scrimmage, I mean, he ran away from everybody and scored a 60-yard touchdown at that point. I mean, it's 40-some to 17. They're bringing in Matt Castle. I mean, there's not much more to talk about after that. It was just uh, it was just ugly. So, I mean, that's a basically look at back at the Jets game. You know, I know it's hard to listen to and a hard one to think at, but, you know, what I want to take from it when I watched it was, you know, like I said, for – half of this football game 
we played terrible and we were still in it. We came out in the third quarter and did what we needed to do, which was go score a touchdown to GT. That should have got us going. And at this point in the year, excuse me, I just think our defense was not ready. We didn't have the scheme down. We didn't have our fits right. We didn't have enough playmakers. And that showed on the deep touchdown by Crowell. That showed you know, our special teams having early issues, giving up that uh, that punt return touchdown, all that type of stuff. And uh, it just got out of hand and got ugly. So bottom line, simple. I mean, you can't come out in Monday Night Football in your house with a new coach and with a team that should have been on the come up let a team like the Jets with a rookie quarterback come get you like they did. So I think this was an embarrassing loss for the organization, the team. I think Matt Pat took this really hard because, you know, I don't think that he was thinking he'd come out and just, you know, take the Jets lightly. But I definitely don't think that he thought they'd come out and do what they did. I mean, nobody could have really expected it. It was a real tough way to start your head coaching career. But uh, as we know, kind of took him some time. But later in the year, he really started to get a handle on things. So like I said, when we're taking this look back, it's just kind of like, man, you know, what a terrible way to start your career as a head coach. But just because he gets blown out his first game on Monday Night Football at your house, everybody's coming out with pitchforks. But this guy has Super Bowl rings. This guy has won at the highest level as a defensive coordinator. I mean, he's the guy calling the defense for Bill Belichick. You know, he knows his stuff. This is a bad day at the office. This is a new organization. He's bringing in a new scheme, all this new stuff. I mean, to, to me, looking back, it was a football game that got out of hand mid to late third quarter. That happens sometimes during the year. And unfortunately, it was just on a huge stage for the first game of the season with this whole new regime changeover. I think that's why it not only felt worse, but looked a ton worse. So, you know, that's basically it with the Jets Rewind. I mean, looking back, I mean, the bright spots again were Kenny, were Carrion, were, you know, not much for Matt Stafford other than, like I said, in the beginning of the game, they were kind of not in their groove. But, I mean, he looked like his fundamentals were good. He was throwing the football decent. It was just inaccurate and just couldn't get couldn't get sustained drives going I mean get a few things here or there and then they'd stall out or you know something would happen and next thing you know they're punting so you know it was not a good football game for her for him no doubt about it but uh you know those picks killed him you can't give up punt return touchdown and a pick six touchdown I mean that's gonna kill you almost every time every game but uh like I say I saw some things I liked and just looking back on it I mean you know, the rest of the season doesn't pan out, but you could definitely chalk this up as just one of those games in the third quarter and late in the game that just got away from you. I mean, it's going to happen, but uh, but it is what it is. So, everybody, it's a little bit shorter episode with uh, no Grifka and no co-host, but I did want to do that Jets Rewind, and I did want to talk about those NFL issues right off the get-go. Um I think uh, for today we're going to go ahead and we'll close it up and uh, be back at you Friday. And Friday what I want to do is uh, I'm going to hit you with a little uh, rewind of the San Francisco game. The Lions heading out to San Fran, hitting that West Coast. And uh, talk about all about how that football game went down because uh, 
man, just I remember lots of things in that football game, lots of ups and downs, and I'm excited to kind of break it all down for you and kind of give me my, give you my thoughts here now that the season is over, looking back at that game a little bit. So this week I wanted to do one game per episode, and then next week what I'm hoping to do is going to have Chuck Dog, my buddy Chuck on here. Chuck's an avid, I mean an absolute diehard Dallas Cowboy fan, so I reached out to him. I was like, "Hey, Chuck, man, come on, come on the Detroit Kool Aid Cast. I mean, you will break down the uh, Lions Cowboys game that went down. So we're going to uh, work our way through that game. What we remember, kind of talk about that through a little bit. I'm sure Lions fans will be a little bit tough because Chuck's one to to bring the noise. So he's probably going to, uh, you know, his team got the win in that game, so he'll have a little fun with that. But that's kind of the plan next week, and we'll see what else we do. I mean, like I say, keep working through these games. Depending on what pace I can do, I might do two games per show next uh, episode, so I can get through these and start talking draft and free agency, or something might come up with our lines here in the next little bit where I got to talk about it. So you just never know. I mean, we'll we'll get some questions in there. We might have some. Uh, different co-hosts, all types of stuff. Just depends how all our schedules and things shake out. But uh, just totally appreciate everybody listening today. You know, me going solo, going a little bit shorter, but definitely want to work through that game. Appreciate everybody listening. I mean, it's just been awesome to see all the different people listening to the Detroit Kool-Aid cast and, you know, hitting me up on Twitter and kind of, uh, you know, sharing about this football team as we get in in this offseason and get excited about uh, the future trying to put this uh, 2018 season behind us so real excited about that so just want to thank everybody again please go on iTunes subscribe give us a rate and review that really helps us out a ton and as we say every week drink it in drink that Detroit Kool-Aid really appreciate everybody I'm going to get up out of here take care I'm out Drink it in, man.